Hello and welcome to the Hockey Hurts Podcast for March 17th of 2019. I'm Ryan Wilson, Penguins writer for HockeyBuzz.com. I'm Cameron Welsh from HockeyHeads.com. We are going to take a look at all the divisions and talk about the playoffs and the different playoff races or lack thereof in some of the divisions. Because um, we're heading down the home stretch, I think... Uh, I'm looking at it right now. A bunch of teams are at 72 games played, which means we're we are in that final 10 game stretch. Uh, we're starting to see some things a little more clear, uh, and some teams that are you know in the playoffs aren't really trending all that great right now. So we're actually going to take a look at each division, and today we are going to start in the Pacific. This. Is it's a three horse? Well, it's really a two horse race, and one team's just going to make it in by default because the rest of the divvy is so terrible. I will say the one that's looking like they probably could make it, Arizona has been playing really well. They have, or at least winning. They're seven two and one. Although they dropped oh, a game to Edmonton last night. <laughs> actually, you know, in the whole coach of the year thing is one of those things that crops up sort of this time of year and all that kind of stuff. Um, Arizona shouldn't be anywhere near the playoffs with the injuries and the injuries to the key players they've had out. <laughs> the fact that they're they're even in the hunt to to break up the five and three representation in the in the West is is pretty amazing in itself. I actually forgot that they'd gotten as close as they had um, before we started to do this, and then had a quick look and gone, oh, Arizona could make it a four four split. Um, so yeah, the. They're doing amazingly well considering the roster that they've got. And they're actually currently in. That's the other thing. Yep, they have 78 points, and they are two points clear of Minnesota and five points clear of Chicago. So Chicago have done well to even be as close as they are. It's funny watching the Chicago Raiders like, talk themselves into thinking that they're going to make a run here. Well... The, the two wildcard spots, we're drifting away from the actual division, but the two wildcard spots keep flipping, and nobody looks as though they're going to push to get out of the wildcard spot and get into that third spot in the division. So I get why Chicago think they could make it. It, it seems it seems unlikely with there only being like 10 or 11 games to go for these teams. But Yeah, you got to make up five points in that time. Yeah, but... All the other teams got to do is play overtime games, and it makes it almost impossible. True, but can you trust Dallas and Arizona to consistently play as well as they have, even though their record lately has been good? That's been the problem with the West all year. Unless you're one of the elite teams, everyone's been so choppy through through the year. I mean, Calgary, San Jose, two really, really good teams, really, really pushing, going well. Vegas have the flurry bump and have the, the flurry trough um, are basically where you would expect them to be. Everything else in that division is like a coin flip. Yeah, but I think... Um, yeah, yeah. I guess I can't really disagree with much of that. Um, Calgary and San Jose are legitimately good. I think Vegas is legitimately good. Um, you have to... They, they are at 83 points, which is 11 behind San Jose's 94, but the Mark Stone thing's legit. <laughs> yeah, but their whole season relies on what, who turns up in net, literally. Like, they've gone and made the right moves. 
that if they get last year playoff flurry, no problems. If they get even average flurry, I reckon no problems. But if they get Mr. Rollercoaster, well, he's. I, I read a tweet today. He's day to day, so hopefully they'll give the man a rest because he's he's he always been it. running to the ground. Yep. Uh, in Pittsburgh and in Vegas, for that matter. Get him some rest, hopefully. Um, you know, I would say the same for for the guy that replaced him in Pittsburgh too. But we'll, we'll we will get there later. Yeah. Um, but Flurry, since being really awful to start the year, bounced back the second half. He's already played fifty nine games, and last year he played less than that, and was one of his better playoff runs and then the two with Pittsburgh were better runs than that as well like I just I don't understand I would have thought with all of the advanced stats they would have looked at this is every team they would have looked at what's the best window of games you know and I think it's somewhere between you know 45 and 55 games for a year for a starter but I don't follow no. a ton of NBA, but I always I, I'm seeing more and more tweets workload like LeBron. Yep. Off workload. Spurs have been doing it for a while. I think other teams are starting to do it too. Yeah. Yep. So. Uh, absolutely. He played 46 games last year and then had one of his best playoff runs of his career. And 0780 for... was out for 30 games. So. Yep. And then the 1670 played 38 games. Had one of his better playoff runs. Calgary, let's see. Calgary would get... They have 95 points. Who's leading that? Oh, Calgary's first in the West. Look at that. Dis in the <laughs> Pacific. And it's Calgary and San Jose are one and two in the conference. Um, San Jose's looking like they'll get Vegas. Uh, no matter what happens here. Calgary, probably rooting for Arizona to stay where they are, if we're being honest. Yeah, you can't blame them for that. I mean, Arizona's the the surprise team going in. They seem to be the thinnest roster of the lot purely because their depth's been ripped out of them by injury, and they, they seem to be getting by on the proverbial quote-unquote coaching slash uh, save percentage. <laughs> I was fiddling around on DraftKings last night and just looking at like the Coyotes' depth chart, and I was like laughing because... I think I mumbled out loud to myself the line for Major League. Who are these fucking guys? <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I mean, and that's that's what makes them them being even in there uh, are quite amazing. And and one of those things where I feel like maybe I should pay a little more attention to the West, but life gets in the way now. So you go, all right, well, where's my interests more in the East due to the Penguins? But you know, you, you do sort of need to do a swing around and go, what's going on over here? And it's a good effort by Arizona to get where it is. Uh, San Jose's a badass team. They, they're they really good, and Carlson hasn't even been playing. They're getting him right, which is correct thing to do, obviously. Uh, they're, they, they've been uh, one of the top possession teams since the get-go. And once again, what might happen in net with them? Crazy that they, they didn't... didn't go through with yeah. a secondary plan there. Even, yep. even that, weirdly, that Ryan Miller thing, like, that was supposed to be a trade, and then it just evaporated, and nobody spoke of it again. You, you, you got to give Wilson credit for doing what he's done to construct this, you know, for want of a better way to put it, this mega super team. Well, I'll tell you what, he's gone all in. Yeah. 
on an aging core, and but he's still getting something out of him because because the Timo Myers of the world have have come in and done a really nice job, and Thomas Hurdle, things like that. So they're they're making it happen. Yeah, and and draft picks that were down the lineup that you can't get anything outside the second round that you pick. I don't think you can get there and legitimately say, oh, we knew we had X in this guy. Because so if anything, he did, you, he would have been picked earlier. Cor- correct. So if you if you take the, the the raffle of anything from the third round down and you win, that's where you can strike gold with an aging lineup, because they they get in there and you've paid literally nothing for them. They're they're really cheap, so you can slightly overpay for some of these aging assets whose production is dropping, but it's not dropping off a cliff. So you just need to try and eke out what you can. Like you know, look at Joe Thornton for example, still good. Not Joe Thornton from yesteryear, but still better than a lot of players playing at, at that position on the San Jose depth chart. Yeah, he's a good third-line center. Yeah, well, I'd say he's an excellent third-line center. You, you that, know what I mean, though. He, he, he's no, no, not the, even on the first power play anymore. No, but, but he's an excellent third-line center, and that's where San Jose have done so well, where they've been able to slot some of these older guys down their lineup, and it's it's worked beautifully this season. And Calgary doing what they're doing with James Neal being a complete bust is pretty good too. Yeah, that's that was one of their main. And Mike Smith has been just putrid. Well, it's handy when somebody comes out of nowhere and <laughs> and suddenly starts playing at the level you thought your main acquisition was going to be. So, that this division's better than it was last year. The, Absolutely. The, the three teams that are at the top. Really, last year it was um, Vegas just <laughs> weirdly steamrolling everybody. But, um, yeah, you know what? Arizona hangs in there. That'll make Calgary pretty happy. Other than that, you got Edmonton, which complete joke. Vancouver, who, you know, they had the year that I think people thought they were going to have after a winning a little bit at the start of the year, but big victory for them, uh, Elijah Pedersen, being who he is. Uh, yeah, that that's going to be great for, for them to be able to have something like that to build around. Plus, while they're bad, he's exciting. So you should get people to be able to turn up to watch that, even though the overall product is not particularly fantastic. And then the two SoCal teams are just at, at the bottom of the division. Anaheim with a negative 55 goal differential and Los Angeles at negative 59. <laughs> That's pretty amazing considering how good Gibson's been through the year too. Like, <laughs> it's you, pathetic. You, you, it's Randy fucking Carlisle. What a pathetic you think, coach. You think about that, you go, Gibson at the start of the year, what was it, first 30 games, everyone's going Vesna level numbers. And then he gets, gets hurt. He never quite came back quite the same. And the team, it just all... Bleh. <laughs> So, and the LA is just old. So, yep, I thought they would do more uh, selling at the deadline, but they didn't, and they're still in last. So maybe they'll sell over the summer. Maybe uh, they tried, and just some of those contracts were unmovable mid-season. Eh, I think Carter could have. Found yeah, I agree with that. Quick, I think will maybe. be gone over the over the summer. That's my prediction, yeah. anyways. But um. That's about all I have to say about the Pacific. Probably the division I watch least because of the time zones. 10.30 I, I starts had, are rough on weeknights. Uh, 
one o'clock in the afternoon starts and no good during the week i kind of have to work in the office yeah <laughs> but at least you're awake okay. True. I kind of can't. I could. I could. I could follow the scores, but I have no idea what's going on. We don't watch the games, anyways. But that's right. I should have remembered that. What's going on with this central division? Um, like the two at the top are probably the two that you know people would have predicted at the beginning of the year. Winnipeg and Nashville, both separated by one point, eighty-eight and eighty-seven. Uh, the difference being Nashville's played 73 games while Winnipeg has played 71. Um, Winnipeg's underlying numbers have been kind of squawky. Not uh, in, They're not indicative of a, a top-end team at times, but you have to remember uh, Dustin Bufflin's been out for quite a long time. And Is he going to get back before the playoffs? I, I've never gotten that. Yeah, buzz of a right. concern that he wouldn't, but we are oh, okay. approaching the time where it'd be really nice if he played a few games. Yeah, I mean, you know, I've been worried about Justin Schultz in the length of time he had to come back from a busted leg, right? And he's had four weeks more than what Bufflin's had today, so that's going to be tough because Bufflin's not the quickest of skaters floating around either. So. That's going to be a tough one because you're going to put him straight in the lineup straight away. There's not going to really even be a second thought about that. But oof. Nice thing is they could second pairing him and just or ride Truba for a bit. They do have that yeah, option. They, they've got the flexibility. So and Tyler Myers being a bottom pairing, right defenseman, that's fine too. Expensive, yeah. but you know he's already there. Yeah, ignore what's being paid for that. You just whack him in. It's exactly right. So. You know, not too, not too bad. I think he'll be back. Nashville, obviously, a great, great team. Although I just, again, David Poyle's deadline deals. I, I don't ever. Well, sometimes I understand them. Philip Forsberg was one I completely understood. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but he always go like I said one of the past few weeks. Um, Brian Boyle and Wayne Simmons. So Wayne Simmons in a lame-ass fight against Haley from San Jose last night. Like, that's what he feels like he has to do to be effective with them. Who's who's he acquiring those style of players to beat in the West? Who's who's knocking Nashville around that makes him think that he needs to have something like that? I mean, Winnipeg I, is has got some... Like, Shifley and Wheeler are big bodies buffling, obviously. Um, but yeah, but Simmons isn't being Simmons isn't being acquired to defend those guys. I don't I don't know why. Like you said, it's baffling. They already had a net front presence with Arvidsson on the power play, so bumping, making room for Simmons uh, on the power play if they go that route doesn't make sense. Uh, Cody <laughs> McLeod, who I don't think's dressing, but they actually traded a real asset for him by real like, seventh round pick, but it. It's on. It's an overpay, it's a, all the same. It's an asset. In itself, and, and Brian yeah. Boyle for what a second round pick. That's high. He's a oh, fourth Boyle, liner, and I think he's on the first power play. He is a fourth liner that that can produce though, at that point, but not on the power. Look, why? The talent that they have on their line in their lineup, it's like I don't know. You're up. Boyle's an enigma. So. You know, 
it makes it kind of made them slower. Yeah, which I I don't think I wouldn't want to play that way with that defense grouping they have. No, and the other thing is you are right about you are right about Winnipeg. They are heavy, but they can skate. Yeah, so, they're good. <laughs> yeah. So I, I suppose you, you kind of helped me work this out in, in my head in that he did make them slower, but he made them, in, in his head, heavier as well, like harder to harder to knock off the puck and stuff like that. And with the way the NHL calls the playoffs, I kind of, you kind of can't blame a general manager for going, well, we're not going to be able to just skate our way up and down the ice, even though they've got an awesome back six to be able to do, or should be able to do that. So I, I get why he hedges in that direction, but I just... It's like he's sort of gone... He's in a halfway house with the roster. We're quick, but we'll slow ourselves down by adding some players that are heavy, but can't keep up with the rest of the roster. So I, I do like Michael Granlin being there. Oh, yeah. It, it's because it, he's got more <laughs> more than size. Yeah, and it, it remains to be seen long-term if trading Kevin Fiala was the right thing, but I think for this year, Fiala was not playing all that well for them. Grandland or is a good good fit. They need a little bit more out of Kyle Turris, who was hurt for a bit. Everybody says that about Kyle Turris, though. No matter where he plays. <laughs> no, he's playing below even the the reasonable yeah standard. I think. It just it just seems to be the thing that that, that followed him around in in um, in Arizona. And then the same thing that he copped in Ottawa, and then people make the same complaint about him in Nashville. It's like, what are their ex- what are people's expectations? And you are right, he's a little lower this year than what you would expect, but it just seems to be something the poor guy cops all the time. But um, I think the most interesting team is the one that beat the crap out of the Penguins yesterday, with uh, St. Louis turning things around. Yeah, it's amazing what happens when you get some decent goaltending. Yeah, it, 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 and goaltending or not, uh, Craig Berube came in and they made the switch. Their winning percentage has been 650 after going 7-9-2 with uh, Mike Yo. Yeah. Nah, it's... Um, O'Reilly trade, amazing for them. Great player. Yeah. Locker room cancer, of course. Yeah. <laughs> um, I mean, they've flatlined out, but they were never going to stay playing at that level for that long. But they at least know they've got that within them um, coming into the playoffs. So uh, it's really weird because their their back end was looking like they were cooked. That, you know, you're going to have to start moving some guys and, and ship some guys out. And then, bang, off they went. Well, they got two good right-handed defensemen, and those are tough to find with uh, Pietrangelo and uh, Pierco. Pareco. Pareco. Colton. Yeah, him. Him. The left side, you got Vince Dunn. He scored two goals yesterday. I think he's got 11 on the year, so. Um, Delzato's kind of one of those shelter me and I'll do fine defensemen. And then it's the same with, with J-Bo, who I've quite liked throughout his career, but is not the J-Bo I remember. 
No, and this 5.4 mil comes off the books, which should yeah. help, help them out quite a bit. Um, but obviously, we haven't mentioned the biggest story for them. Well, you you kind of did. Uh, Jordan Bennington has been um, marvelous. Really turned the year around for them. You you've played the sport, right? So when your when your goalie is struggling, and you know he's struggling to make saves, and you played as a forward, does it change the way you played in regards to? leaving the zone, yeah. coming back deeper in the zone. It does, right? So as soon as these guys got Binnington, they obviously pushed more. Like as soon as Binnington proved that he's going to start stopping the puck a bit more than Jake Allen, the whole attitude of this team changed. Like they push and they push hard. So it's not just a coaching thing, obviously. Um, but that quite clearly helped them out, I take it. I mean, you should always be on the defensive side of the puck, but there are choices you make throughout the course of a game where they, it could be 50-50 in a place where you'd want to push forward and take a chance but um you know when you 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 feel or perceive goals to be going in a lot you 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 don't push forward so it really hurts your ability to create offense at times and i think sometimes yeah. coaches will you know start coaching kind of like that. Hey, you need to be back there. And it's like, well, yeah, but yeah, okay, that's what you want. Yeah. And that that's a, that's a purely human reaction. That that makes perfect sense. It's why I asked because you know, as much as you can analyze the numbers and stuff like that, you still need to find a, a root cause in regards to why teams are struggling to create offense and that certainly I'm assuming would have um, affected the way the Blues were playing when everything was going in. So um, yeah, big turnaround. The question you're going to ask of someone like Bennington that comes out of the middle of nowhere, is it going to last the year? Is he going to flame out due to volume of games played uh, consecutively and stuff like that? So, And you're looking at a pretty badass first-round matchup. Well, that's you're getting just, Winnipeg or Nashville. Yeah, that's, that, that is an unfair factor in amongst all of this. Like, they were written as dead. Rightfully so, with how they started. Made the amazing run back, but it might end in a first-round exit, which wouldn't make it a terrible season. Um, Tarasenko's not even playing right now. So the other thing for me is that they are they they are only three games behind Nashville with two games in hand, right? Now, if you were the St. Louis Blues owner, you wouldn't mind getting a first-round playoff game starting at home because you're at least guaranteed, I'd at least suggest three games at home you would you would you know, think that it wouldn't they wouldn't get sweep. swept correct so you know i'm sure the owner's sitting there going come on come on come on but they i didn't think they'd get anywhere near this i mean they're not i suppose winnipeg got this, they're not going to catch winnipeg but nashville's catchable yeah but the game's in hand you got to win them and you know they True. went into pittsburgh um Yesterday, 5-1. They're playing Buffalo today. The old uh, Ryan O'Reilly returns to Buffalo. <laughs> yes, it was a bit of a smackdown yesterday. The game might be going on as we speak. I thought it was an afternoon game. I don't know. Uh, those 4 a.m. games are, are not very watchable. Let's see. But, um... Started an hour. 
Yeah, that's what I thought. They should win that game. Eichel's back, but Sabres. If you're really gonna go back to now. back, if you're gonna go back to back, having Pittsburgh first and Buffalo seconds, a easier way to go about that back to back. Right. Um, so that leaves Dallas. I wouldn't say comfortably in a wild card spot, but uh, they're 71 games played, game in hand. Uh, they're three points clear of Minnesota, who have one more game played. Um, will we see any Bruce Boudreaux magic? Oh, he's capable of doing it. I would, it is interesting. You you wonder whether it's Bruce, for this particular year, whether Boudreaux can create the magic or whether Dallas just implode. They've had such a bizarre season with what's going on over there. You, you sit there and go, if it starts to fall apart, will it completely fall apart, or will they be able to, to keep it going? I mean, they're seven and three in the last ten, so you know they're playing, they're, they're trending in the right direction. But this team is, has been a roller coaster all year. They do have some top end talent, though. Can Ben Bishop stay healthy? Well, I don't know. <laughs> and and that, that, but that's probably what it comes down to for those guys. I mean, yep. Hudobin's their backup, right? And he's been all over the shop this year. Um, I, I think their, their their run relies on on Bishop staying ho- on staying healthy. And I mean, it's not like he's got a great career record for that. Now, one thing I do find funny is Arizona being in this wild card spot when they trade away Max Domi and Dylan Strom, who are doing great away from Arizona. Yeah. And the guys that they got back, Galchenyuk, I looked at his stats. He's like a half a point a game player. Um, he scored twice last night, by the way. But <laughs> he, he, not, you know, just kind of a blah year. Yeah. And um, the, trading away Dylan Strom, they never really seemed to give him an honest look. Which was always bizarre to me because his OHL... Numbers, yes, he played on a line with DeBrincat and this McDavid dude. Oh, total, okay. Which I did get to see the three of them play together in person the one time I went. That was an okay line. <laughs> and, you know, I was watching, and I'm like, this this little fucking 12 is pretty good, the DeBrincat. And I wasn't surprised that nobody was taking a chance on him because he was he was short. Tiny. But think about Chicago without him being yeah. this powerhouse goal scorer and getting Dylan Strome, and they're still way back. I don't know. Which it doesn't hurt my feelings. I kind of enjoy it. Well, the thing with <clears throat> excuse me, the thing with Galchenyuk was that everybody was like he's being misused in in Montreal, and, and he not, was, he was, but. I haven't heard he's being misused in Arizona. You know, he's been given the minutes that everybody expects him to get. He's being used in roles that everyone wanted him to be played in. And like you said, he's gone a bit meh. Yeah, quality so, of teammates a thing. Like I said, it, I don't know yeah. who the fuck these players are. Yeah, which which highlights how good it's been for them to get here. Like that's the other thing about it that's that's impressive is that this is a team of who what's it's and and right now the who what's it's that might make the playoffs 
Colorado. What happened there? They just like they have nosedived in the second half of the year. Well, for being honest, they were being driven by that super line. The McKinnon rat. Yeah, but the super line was super, super, duper, super. Yeah, it was one of the best in the league. Probably still can be. They they've split them up at times. But you got guys like Alex Kerfoot kind of doing spot duty in the top six. Uh, uh, trading for Derek old... Broussard, who oh, we know we know that experience. The wheels have fallen off that wagon. Carl Soderberg still getting ice time. It's just uh, the forward group is really blah past that line. Um, the D. Eric Johnson and Tyson Berry are good one-two up the right side. Ian Cole in the second pairing, as we know, can, can be functional. Uh, Sam Girard that they got in the trade from Nashville's um, younger, but he's gotten some ice. But Zadorov's never amounted to where. Yeah, I I had high which made the O'Reilly yeah. trade great for Buffalo the first time around. Yeah, yeah. And Nemeth's just a blah sort of a, you know, nothing wrong with him, but nothing exceptional either. So it's it's just literally it just flushes out after the top top of the lineup, doesn't it? And then you're relying on you're relying on uh, either Grubauer or Valarimov to be great in a game like a particular night, and you've got no consistency between either of those two guys. Yeah, well, good days are ahead. They are going to probably get Hughes or Kako, which is awesome. Oh, totally forget about that. Good God, Ottawa. And yeah. they, they miss the playoffs. They have the ability to jump up uh, better than, you know, how the lottery used to work. Uh, kind of how Philly. God, imagine up. if they got. Imagine if they got the first and the second pick due to that. <laughs> so it would be probably the way that would work out would be Colorado winning the lottery with their own pick and then Ottawa getting the second. Yeah, um, that would be unreal. The, the Kako kid is amazing. I there's. There's strong arguments for taking him. All right, so this is the thing. I've paid no attention at all to the draft. You know how Edmonton went through a few drafts where there just wasn't a there wasn't a McDavid or a Crosby or you know those sorts of guys. Mm-hmm. Are any of the guys in this draft picked that way? Like Hughes is sort of thought of in that regards, right? Like he's going to be yeah. like, is he just below elite or is he sort of just good? Uh, somebody who's not a prospect guy. Yeah. I'm just going to talk out my ass. Um, I don't think he's like the Crosby McDavid kind of deal, or maybe even Darlene. Just right, a okay. smidge below that. Rightio. Okay. That I could be wrong. Although the, the Kako kid might be legit. His numbers playing in the highest, um, is it the Finnish league, I would imagine? He's he's putting up real points against adults. Like Right. Well that's different in itself, isn't it? Yeah. He's he's a goal scorer and he's gonna be a fun player. He's he's I gonna just, be an NHL legit player next year. I just like that name. Cackle. <laughs> um whoever gets him is getting a great player. So Cool. And it could be Colorado, based on Ottawa. Uh, based on who gets one. Maybe um somebody pass either way, they get Hughes or Kako. 
I think the odds are likely they'll get one of the two because of the Ottawa pick, and uh, that that will really help them out moving forward. Well, they'll shift um, their depth around, like like you said, which is quite clearly what they need. You know, and they're not really struggling for cap space. Well, it helps when Nate McKinnon's agent fucks it up. <laughs> <laughs> yes, this is this is true. So, who should be an eleven million dollar player is playing for like just below half. Yeah, you'll, you'll six point three. So, not their year this year, but moving forward, it, it looks promising for them. Um, so yeah, Minnesota's the wild card here. Can they take? Can they go on a run and bump Arizona? And and it's weird because Minnesota, they get rid of Niederreiter, which was an awful trade. It it that had to be just a, a cap dump. There's no logical explanation for it otherwise. Well, Carolina thanks them for it. And, um, you know, moving Granlin, who was a big part of their thing, and getting Fiala back. They really shuffled the deck there midseason. Uh, in a year that Miko Koivu was out for the rest of the year, so. That hurts. That does make what they've got in front of them tough. So. Um. That is the central. Let's head out east. Do we bother talking about Tampa, except that they're ridiculously awesome and prohibitive favorite in a coin flip playoff league? Yeah, they won't get rewarded if they get um, Carolina, I think. Columbus and Carolina are uh, jockeying back and forth with the... um, for that second wild card, 85 points, 84 points. I, I, think, I think you're right in the sense that Carolina would be the harder team to play, but Bobrovsky, and, and this is the thing with Bobrovsky, every time they've played Pittsburgh, he seems to have crumbled, but he is one of those goalies that can steal you a series. And and, and if you're Tampa, then you don't really want that. <laughs> yeah, but Carolina is a possession buzz Monster, Absolutely. One of the few that could probably limit Tampa's chances because of the possession factor and getting so then, Jordan Stahl back, getting Niederreiter. Um, so then who do you trust in net between both those teams then? You do don't you, trust anybody. I would trust Vasilevsky over McElhaney and Mrazic, though. Oh, because well, yeah. Yeah, so then I'd still tip it to Tampa. But yes, if you're Tampa, you do not want... Oh, no. I'm tipping every series to Tampa. <laughs> I'm just um, thinking right. about what would give them more of a fit. Like, Tampa is the clear... I am not being fancy when no, I say I, Tampa yeah, is my I'm, pick I'm, for I'm the a, cup. Well, gee, yeah. wow, way to go out on a limb, Ryan. <laughs> Some teams are just great, you know? Yeah. It'll be interesting to see their downfall. Because <laughs> if this, this feels them, like 93 pen- This feels like 93 Penguins. Like a team that should have gone all the way through, and just blew it in the second round. So, which might not even be blowing it because Boston and Toronto are pretty solid in their own right. Toronto is going through some issues right now. Now, what is Freddie, causing this? Freddie Anderson's playing like dog shit. 
Right. Because he's, Whereas... he's getting overworked. They they have referenced that though. They were planning on resting him down the stretch even before he kind of had this little rut. Yeah. Having Nazem Kadri out for a long time doesn't hurt, but more importantly, Jake Gardner being out totally screwed them up. Yeah. Just debilitates the their ability to to play uh, on the defense because you know they're leaning on. Ron Hainsey, which we know that experiment. Yeah, you win cups. <laughs> Zaitsev sucks. Yeah, they bought him there, didn't left, they? You're left with not a lot on that back end, which was always a thing. It, it was always um, problematic. But I'm reading about this dude Rasmus um, Sandin down in Toronto Marlies. Uh, You'd think that would be the kind of guy they'd throw in for a few games, like a good prospect to see what they can get, because you're talking about replacement-level guys and and Ron Hainsey. Um, I would think the GM wouldn't be against uh, taking a little bit more of an approach like that, but... You know, the young GM is saddled with the probably one of the few coaches that has more cachet than the GM. Yeah. For right or it, wrong. It's it's interesting in that good to see that they they're resting Freddie. They're not gonna lose the third spot in the Atlantic. They're gonna have to play Boston. It's an interesting call for them to go, screw it, let's just make sure we're healthy and we've got our, our best lineup in even if we are going to have to play in Boston in Game 7 if it gets that far. Because they're close enough to Boston to get home ice in the first round. So That series is a coin flip either way. No, and that's the thing. So I'm glad that they took the opportunity to go, let's just make sure our number one goalie is sweet, and we just have to make sure that we get our best players on the ice for Game 1 of the playoffs. Um, mm-hmm. it's, the, it's, the old, it's the same old thing with anybody coming back from injury who don't get to play before the playoffs, you run that risk of them being a half a step behind. Um, but at least you know you've got your best lineup on the ice. Somebody who they should really think about benching down the stretch, but that won't, from what I read, um, is Patrick Marlowe. Again, the, the load management. I don't get but, this sport. But he's on a consecutive game streak, so... I, I, and I stand by what I just said. I honestly don't get the things that matter in this sport. <laughs> Who cares about the Iron Man thing if you get to the playoffs and this sport's all about having success in the playoffs? You're Patrick Marlowe, who has um, always had the stigma of not being able to perform in the, or not win in the playoffs, I should say. It's not that he doesn't perform. And you're going to burn yourself out to have an Iron Man streak on a team that quite clearly still needs him to perform well in the playoffs. Like, I, don't, I don't understand what makes them think this way. Baffles me. It's, uh, you know... Yeah, it's Patrick Marlowe, veteran. He's on a streak. Can't can't do that. Can't get him out of that. Andreas Janssen. Johnson, Janssen. He's, like, he's got like 20, 20-ish goals. And his quality of teammate most of the year has been in fourth line. Um, that's that's a guy they, they should have been using a little bit more creatively, I think. 
Yeah, but if you've got that out of using him lower down the lineup, I, you take that. You just leave him down there. If he's performing down there, you go, well, well I'm getting production Marlo lower down in the lineup. To rest him. If you're not going to take Marlowe out, bump him down. Yeah, I'm not going to argue that point, but I kind of get it from a coach's perspective. It's like, hey, we're getting production out of that, that part of the lineup. Let's just keep it the way it is. Like, Babcock's set in his ways. None of that's going to change. Uh, to their detriment or to their success. It, it, it will end up... It won't be a fact of him not having the assets to have succeeded. If they don't win, it's as much on him as it is the players. So, if you wanted to, to keep Marlowe up on a line, you got some duos that I would stick together. Tavares, Marner, obviously. If you want to stick him on the left side there, kind of be the complementary piece. Uh, they've they've moved William Nylander to the to the Matthews line recently. I, I think Nylander's been playing good the the later portions of the year after you know famously the the holdout um in that kind of stuff. But the whole Nylander was abuse. forced to play center for a bit, which he can do. And they were always thinking, could he be a center for the team? But with Kadri back. You can bump him with Matthews. And then I would put uh, Janssen with, you know, that pairing. Or Kadri. Yeah. yeah. Because Kadri's probably one of the best third-line centers in the league if he's going to slot as a three, because he's a legitimate two. This, 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 the, the, the Toronto lineup adds the potential to do really well. Like you said, they've hit a bit of a run. Oh, Kapanen would be with Kadri. I mean, come on. that's Yeah. Just they've hit the run at the, excuse me, theoretically the wrong wrong time of year. And they've got enough games to get out of it and and start playing in the right direction. Uh, Losing to Ottawa like they did is always fun. Um, Yeah, they got their ass kicked last night. (laughs) And you've got to have games like that. Like it's, It's one of those things where... If you lose six two in a playoff game, but win all of your all of your wins are two one, it really doesn't make a rat's ass difference. You've won the four games, so you're gonna have blowouts. It's like as long as nobody gets hurt in a blowout, you deal with it. They're not gonna play that bad again the next game, I wouldn't think. So, you know, getting blown out not necessarily a bad thing. So, uh, who else is in this division? You know who terrifies me in this division is Boston. Well, yeah, Rask is very good. Obviously, uh, Bergeron line is amazing. But Pasternak's been out for a bit. Yeah, but they're going to get him back, right? And this is what terrifies me about them. Because, like, he, he was he was with Bergeron and Marchand, right? And those two, we all know, just roll along at a ridiculous clip. They're unbelievable together. And Krejci's decent. Yeah, but when they had Pasternak up there, they were literally unstoppable. And... At the same time, making anybody else they were playing against useless. So, you get that line back, everyone shuffles down the lineup, and this team that has been good, I think, becomes awesome. And with Rask back there, I think they're terrifying for anybody playing them in the playoffs. Yeah, and Coyle and Marcus Johansson help. Uh, yeah, well, the Grizzlick injury that happened against the Penguins. I haven't really read into that. If they lose him for, you know, just a nice kind of one of those players, you lose him and it screws up the depth of how you want to do things defensively. 
yeah, not one of your best players, but one of those guys that, that fills out the roster well and helps everybody play at the level that you need them to minutes-wise in regards to quality of competition and stuff like that. So it, it is it is funny how a player... That's the thing with Justin Schultz in Pittsburgh. Schultz isn't an elite player, but you remove him from that Pittsburgh back six and it becomes an absolute mess. So I, I get the, the Grizzly thing with, with Boston as well. I understand where that's coming from. All right. Last, not least, Metro. Oh, what a division. <laughs> Maybe least? I don't know. Mm, I, yeah, like, that's been the division where everything's come out of the last few years. I just don't see anybody in that division sort of taking it by the scruff of the neck, except for maybe Carolina. <laughs> and, they're, and they're the first wild card spot I mean Washington played Tampa last night so that's not a fair uh, no no I realize that but Washington's a good team they have a really good goalie or you know a goalie that has played really well in the past Alex Ovechkin does his thing he's pretty good Kuznetsov's the one that's kind of having a, a the downer of a year for the ability. Yeah. But, you know, not the kind of guy I want to bet against. No. No, no, no. I sub- I, I mean, I want the Islanders if if I'm any team in the East. I think the Islanders are the are the one and you know, they're they were riding that PDO train all year long and the goaltending's held up, but the shooting hasn't. And ah, so it's that end of the PDO that's decided to flatten out. Right. They're five and five in their last ten. Pittsburgh's two points behind them. They've played one more game than New York, but the Islanders were sitting pretty for a, a long time in the top perch there, but not not so much the case anymore. They're they're not playing their their best of the year. And quite frankly, I, you know, you look down up and down the roster, and it's not. It is. It's it's goaltender driven. It, it is interesting with with PDO though, right? With I feel like coaching can help the goaltending half of the PDO because you can structure up your defensive zone in a way that assists the type of shots that your goalie sees. The one thing that coaching can't help is the shooting percentage half of the PDO. If your entire team runs hot for the whole year or, or a playoff run, well that's that's great, but you can't you can't coach that into what they do, can you? Like, they're either going to get high quality shots and score on them, or they're going to get low quality shots and not score on them, or they're going to get high quality shots and and get robbed. So so there's not much you can do on the offensive side as a coach to, to allow that to happen. So the fact that just still... just you know help the quality of teammate thing with the players that. Y- you know that you know yes. are offensively minded players and yeah, helping okay. them push. I that's mean, that's a good point. But that's what you should be doing all the time. Like, if you're not doing that, I would have a real big question. You know, about you as a coach. Yeah. <laughs> so, um, you know, we'll see what the Islanders. Uh, you know, if I'm Tampa and they're on the hockey hurts playoff system, you know, I'd be I'd be really looking to. I think the. Tampa Bay Lightning would probably take the Islanders out of anybody. Well, out of everybody there, 
They're not they're taking the, Washington or Pittsburgh. No, and I Tampa, Boston, issues. Toronto. No. I'd so have issues. now you're down to Carolina, Columbus, and the Islanders. Yeah, and I'd have an issue taking Columbus. And yeah, because like, the, you know they have really good players, and a, like you said, the goalie sucks. He fucking sucks against the Penguins, but well, he didn't. He lose is a two-time Vezina winner. He, yeah, he also didn't lose the Washington series last year. I mean, that was a really close series. That one. It, it's they were like up two clear. nothing, right? Yeah. It, it's quite clear that Pittsburgh seemed to have something in the head of that poor guy, and it happens yeah, to Yeah, Crosby, Malkin, Phil. <laughs> yeah, it would get into a lot of guys' heads, I suppose. Like, you know what I mean? Like, yeah. Yeah, he plays like shit against Pittsburgh, but, like, some of those guys are going to do that to you. Yeah, but you could say the same thing about Washington, though. I mean, you got Ovi, Kuznetsov, uh, Backstrom, Oshie, Carlson, like... Like, that's not a that's not a, a depressed offensive roster. No, no, it's not. And you know that's kind of why they won the cup last year. Tiny bit. So, you know, yeah, Tampa would I think would have to pick the Islanders, but that's not how it works. They'll get uh, who they get and not have a say in it, even though they're lapping the league. Yeah, and I think there's some grumbling. I think Stamkos had some grumbling about what's the reward for this. I, I this comes up probably this time of year on this podcast a lot. It will every year because it's I get so frustrated that this league doesn't think forward and try to do things a little bit differently because you know they've got to try and find eyeballs for the TV and bums on seats. Right, it's probably the fourth ranked league in the country, it's, if not fifth behind yeah, soccer slash football. Fourth, yeah, fourth for on a good day. Are you counting? Are you counting football though in regards to the European coverage, or are you also, or are you purely counting that against the MSL? Oh, soccer. Yeah, <laughs> I'm like, wait, what, what? Um. I think it's still ahead of soccer just because um, the better leagues are aren't, in aren't Europe. here. Yeah. Uh, but MLS, uh, I got to give credit. Uh, they, they've they made the most of what the league they are over the, yeah. the last five to ten years. Like it'll be an indictment on hockey if... I don't if, think they're if, below the MLS, no. Yeah, well, that's sort of my comparison. It's like the American leagues, so... If if hockey get passed by soccer, then Batman's failed. <laughs> He's done a few things right, but that's a that's a fail that they haven't been able to push themselves forward. But changing the playoff and having the lottery system thing for the playoff would be would be brilliant. We've talked about it before. It would also get to reward the teams that are quite clearly lapping the league, like Tampa are, are incredible. Yeah, if they lose, it'll be be quite something would you class it as a failure like if they make the if they yes. make the cup if they make the cup and they lose it's a failure yeah geez that's a tough bar isn't it I, and 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 i feel bad saying that because of the sport of variance and what it yeah. is but when you're that good and like you've made a few runs now like you've you lost to pittsburgh in a game seven in the Easter conference finals you've you've lost um a Stanley Cup final against the one of the better Chicago teams. 
you know, at some point during the Stamkos, Kucherov, Hedman um, kind of Hedman run you're having, you've got a win run. Yeah, okay. You, yeah. you got to cash in, in in your era when you're this good. There's always yeah. one team in an era that that misses out. There's always one. It could be Tampa. Might be. You know what they will get hopefully is they don't get Boston and Toronto. So by default, it's not the worst um, first round matchup. And you just but then they the... do have to go through Boston and Toronto, and it's likely you're going to be met with Pittsburgh or Washington after that Toronto Boston series. Yeah, but the, and the thing is though, and that's, that's not yeah, but that's not. A, a, a problem of this playoff system. That's just the fact that there is depth in the conference. Like, if if you get there and, and run with our little playoff system, when you get into that second round, theoretically, you're still going to be left with Washington and Pittsburgh to have to pick from as a choice. I, I think I think you'd rather. I don't know. You're, I, you still you're right. This year, it, but it would be nice if they got to choose. I, I agree. No, I, that's that's not the argument. It's just oh, that, Sid's injured. Okay, correct. No, and correct. That is what Tampa would be praying for with a Boston Toronto series and the bad blood with those two teams is, and it sucks saying this, but you, you're going to pray that a key player for either of those two teams either is injured and out, or injured and not productive because they're playing through it. Yeah, it's sort of where you're at when you're in a, a Tampa situation. If you get to the Cup final, I think if you're Tampa, you go. I don't care who's healthy or injured, we're here, let's just go and dominate. But up to that point, because of the coin flip nature of this league, it's like eggshells. Yeah. Um, so, I know you don't have a lot of time left, right? Is that correct? No, unfortunately. So, a few um, Pittsburgh-related items. Erica Branson's still playing well. Say what now? Yeah. Still, <laughs> still fine. It's been um, a good transition for him to Pittsburgh so far. Um, so, with that said, ride the hot hand, in my opinion. Play him with the Crosby line. With Pedersen. With Pedersen. Put Dumoulin with Schultz and give him to Malkin. And get yeah, Schultz you're asking... the fuck away from Jack Johnson. <laughs> you're asking Jack Johnson to be put to a third pairing. That ain't going to happen. We both know this. Your logic is solid, though. Now, I looked, and Justin Schultz, numbers, not good this year. And Vinny Bats on Twitter had a nice uh, breakdown of where he stands among Penguins defenders and a multitude of stats, uh, both fancy and not as fancy. And he doesn't fare well on any of them except PDO, which, you know, good for him, but that's not really the one I want to see is the only good one. <laughs> no. Um now, where um, I would clarify things is the time away from Johnson's stats are worse, believe it or not, but you're only talking about 60 minutes split among eight other partners. So no consistency at all with who he's doing it with. Well, it's 60 minutes, too, so I, I don't... The most was 25 minutes with Jamie Alexiak, and he's not a thing anymore. Well, no, he's a penguin. He's still a living human playing for Dallas. <laughs> <laughs> but yep, if you yep, want to, yep. again, 
Dumoulin has to play with Zach Trotman, for crying out loud? Put him with Schultz! Fuck! I, Pedersen Goodbranson for seven games was breaking even or better. Ride that! Like, that's like house money. Yeah, you're you're already in front if that's working. And So if that's going to work, you, you know, use it while it's working, because I still am skeptical about the long-term success of Eric Goodbranson playing at this 57% possession player yeah. that he's been. Uh, but he's yep. doing it now, so use it and help Schultz out. Because he's drowning at 44% with Jack Johnson. And the, the thing with Schultz, though, is that they need him to move the puck with whoever he's paired with, uh, as in the, the forward grouping he's out on the ice with. They need that puck out of there quickly because Schultz gets overpowered down low. He's he's not strong when he's pushed up against the boards. He's not strong when trying to box out. He needs the puck on his stick and it needs to go quick. And him and Johnson just can't do it. And Johnson does not do it with control. I don't know... Whoever tried to tell me that Johnson can make a good first pass and and can make good decisions, um, but that has you go back to the very start of the the podcast. The whole is your goalie making saves. Well, if your defensive partner is consistently chipping the puck out, it's not like you're going to break down the other side of the ice to create a, f- a four on three, is it? Which is something that Justin Schultz is very good at doing. Yeah. So. There's that, and I guess uh, the only last thing we have time to talk about this week is congratulations of Genny Malkin on a thousand points. Woohoo! And I feel like I've seen the lion's share of nine hundred something of them, which is really yeah. awesome. Yay me! I don't think uh, he's still a top one hundred player, though. Well, he's That's... the eighty-eighth one to hit a thousand. Uh, the yes. math is kind of strange on that. You know, Bob Gainey, uh, probably better than him, for sure. That's never going to go away, that. I think it's um, it's a nice little tick slash asterisk next to his name that, that always comes up when he hits a milestone, people understanding the ridiculousness of him not being included in that. But he's so much fun to watch, and when he's healthy and dominating, it's... How many of the 1,000 re- points is boring? <laughs> yeah, that that's exactly right. And, and, and the enjoyment of of watching the emotion of him and the frustration at times of him just doing stupid stuff um, has made him an enjoyable an enjoyable player to watch for the time that he's been around. And you do wonder with him and with him and Sid what their totals would be minus the injuries they've had to go through. And lockouts. Oh, yeah, forget that one. Well, I've, I've done the study on um, Sid. I should probably do it with Malkin at some point in time. Although Sid lost his prime, prime. Yeah, he he was yeah he was torching it at that age and then lost it, uh, lost those peak years, which is tough. But Gino too, he he got the ACL thing when Myers fell on him, and Gino's a year older, so that would have been uh, the same. Yeah, no, no, you're exactly same-ish. right. They they both lost 82 games. Well, Sid lost more than that, I think. Um, through that pro, through that prime, you know, potential of 1.4 to 1.6 points per game through that through that stage of their career. So um, their numbers are burnt a bit, and you can't do much about that now. Nope. Uh, Pittsburgh will be getting, I think, Brian Rust has been skating. Chris Letang did not skate today be- with the uh, other group of skaters that was, like the Olimata, yeah. who's not... 
uh, will he be making a return tonight? I guess you can't rule it out, although I'd be curious bringing him back against the Flyers, who he went berserk against. Yeah, you don't need to see him go berserk again. Um, so yeah, let's just uh, let's just play but in the next. But they game. will get Latang and Russ back, and that really is going to help slot that lineup uh, quite nicely heading into the playoffs. Given that McCann can steal a spot on the top line. Yeah, that that come out of nowhere extra depth is is really handy. I had no idea that McCann was going to. Well, you look at the Good Branson thing. I mean, the Jared McCann thing. No, it doesn't surprise me more than Good Branson. Good Branson surprises me more than anything that's happened this year. Yeah. So I would I would ride the Good Branson luck, and, uh, you know, I don't think they will. I think they put Dumoulin with him, but it still leaves Schultz with fucking Jack Johnson. And, you know, <laughs> to you, I want to know if we got a listener out there that bought one of those charity bags and got a Jack Johnson signed jersey. I want to know what the hell you're going to do with that. You're going to frame that? Because what the fuck are you supposed to do with that? <laughs> Honestly. Yeah. No, no, no. I oh, know. That's, uh, that's pretty tough. I mean... Okay, I'll say this. It went to charity, so all is good. I think they yeah, no, no, no. $3 million, which is great. But, holy cow, you're not... That's not the fucking jersey you're looking for in that bag. No. Like, can't no, they not. get Kevin Stevens to sign some and throw those out there instead or something like that? So I'll take Sam Militic. Oh, Jesus Christ. All right, we're going to end the podcast on that note. <laughs> Sorry. But, yeah, i got to go to work. So, um, yeah, we will reconvene next week, and we'll have plenty to talk about. Penguins uh, should have an interesting week coming up. Can they maintain um, where they are in the stand? Can they move up and win the division? Because losing to St. Louis didn't hurt as much because the Islanders and Capitals lost. I just want them to stay healthy. That's that's my big thing. And Washington thing. still plays Tampa, I think, two more times. Really? Wow. They, okay. That was the so, first matchup they played against Tampa was last night. Right. So you're right. They'll have to play them twice more because they'll play that other division three times in the year. Um, all right. That means that for both the Islanders and the Penguins, that top spot's gettable. Even Carolina could steal that if Jeez. Washington really do um, struggle. Okay. That would be terrifying for the division if Carolina get that far up the line. <laughs> yeah. And uh, last, very last thing, Jordan Stahl, 500 points last night Woo-hoo. should be 600 if they gave him any semblance of a quality of teammate in carolina because for years he, he was playing with or he shit or he years. stayed in pittsburgh yeah but he he didn't want to be a third line i know i fully understand why he did it it's just that's that's the thing with, with stall it was no quality of competition where he went to if he stayed where he was it would have been a depth chart issue so six but half i do think he other. could be closer to 600 than 500 oh yeah absolutely on the money there but he is healthy and playing and to your point that makes carolina a lot better so all right catch you guys see you thanks